0: Good morning everyone and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. My name is Melanie C and I am your moderator this morning. Today is Sunday, April 5th, 2015 and the share ID for Friday is 7448 and that would be Friday, April 3rd and that is 7448. This morning A Vision for You presents Freedom Within a story of transformation. As we think about compulsive overeating and recovery, imagine freedom within. What would that mean? How would that feel? And then, how would I go about describing that experience to someone else? Where I came from, what it was like, what was the breaking point, and what it took to be reordered, rearranged, transformed to claim an existence that can only be described as freedom within? What would it be like to have yearned for decades for this very thing, hoping against all hope, to live long enough to really be free? What will it take? What will it be? And what will be asked of me? As an addict, 12 simple steps. An application of 12 simple steps outlined for me and for you in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. That's it. That's it. 164 pages and voila, a get out of jail free card. Promise. Promise. Well, I invite you to sit back and enjoy this Sunday special presentation today. Here to describe her personal experience and hope for us all is Lauren S. Lauren sincerely has given her life over to service and self sacrifice to the program of recovery and is a dedicated student and teacher of the directions for recovery straight from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Laura is really a miracle. And this transformation of this twelve steps is evident here. This victory of the freedom within. Join me as we welcome Lauren S to the line. Thank you so much. And good morning, Lauren. Good morning. Good morning.
1: Can you hear me? I can. Okay. I'm so
0: glad you're here. Yeah.
1: Oh my gosh. That was a beautiful a beautiful introduction. Um, I hope it's okay if I start bursting into tears at any moment. I've had a very rich morning. I just did almost an hour of of prayer meditation to my best friend, God, at a a Sunday service with my parents. And the priest during the sermon said, the Serenity Prayer. And during his sermon, he said, helping God's kids, (laughs) which has to be my most cherished phrase in the world. I hope it's on my tombstone someday, just here to help God's kids. And it brought me back full circle to my transformation. So I do consider myself recovered. I've been maintaining about a seventy-five pound weight loss for two years. And the last day that I was in the cycle addiction was October thirteenth, two thousand twelve, or as I keep track of my 11-step inventory, 986 days of peace and freedom for the most part. Before I start, I'm going to say a prayer. God, please enable me to set aside everything I think I know for an open mind and a new experience. Help me see the truth about this meeting what's gonna come out of my mouth. <laughs> Hopefully I'm an instrument of you God. <laughs> um and whatever tears or laughter come out today, thank you. Thank you. All right. <laughs> so where, So Lauren's transformation. Where did I start? Where did I start in my life. Well, I was born with three dimensions, you know, physical, mental, and emotional. And I had patches of the fourth dimension of the spirit through life. Just these little patches of epiphanies or unexplainable events, love, deja vu, dreams, these little pockets of peace But it was only relief. It wasn't freedom. My first spiritual experience (laughs) where all of those nine-step promises came true for me. You know, we're going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We will not regret the past. All of those came true for me when I was four years old. And it was after preschool one day. And my mom used to keep sugar cubes. In the cupboard, I recollect binging on those Domino sugar cubes, and my mom hiding them in the back of the cupboard, and me digging to get more. The next day, the next spiritual experience with food was the first time I I remember being at my grandmother's house and having a big bowl of ice cream with my siblings at the end of the night. I fell. Peace and serenity. I felt happy, joyous, and free at those times. But as I have come to realize, that was only a delusion. And it wasn't a supplement for the real ease and comfort that I feel from my loving creator. I will say, fellows who happen to be listening to me right now, I did prepare an outline, which I have never done before because I am rather nervous and I might be sticking to it. We'll see what happens. I also would like to say that I am only recovered today and walking with ease because of you, because of the time and love that you have all shown to me when I could have been alone. Um, There's no way, there's no way I could pay back all that you've given me. There's no way I could pay back the hours and and hugs and love and honesty that you have given me. So I'm just going to pay it forward because that's what we do here. You know, we come with our experience and we come with hope for this um, permanent disease. All right, so Lauren at age four felt the promises. Lauren, until I was 16, was normal as I see it with food. I was one of those people who could Skip breakfast, maybe have pizza for brunch,
2: <clears throat>
1: maybe have a late dinner, and a second, helping of ice cream, and focus my energy and time on my friends, my homework, fashion, tennis. It was – that was true for me. That was true for me. Um, when somebody said, what's a calorie – I related it to chemistry class. You know, the high specific heat of one degree of water is a calorie. Or if somebody said weight, I related it to chemistry class. You're going to weigh and measure grams of sodium bicarbonate. Or if somebody said a diet, I thought of the food web. And lions are on the top of the food web and bacteria is on the bottom. That's what I thought of when I heard those terms. Or if you said um, peanut butter, it was something that to me was a health food, I thought, then. If you said salad, I said, oh, yeah, I enjoy it as a starter. But those words became different in my disease. They became about this abusive partnership with food and calories and what my body looked like and how I related to my friends and my family. They took on a new meaning, meaning that was devastating in my disease. Um, you know cocoa puffs for once a, a friendly breakfast cereal that I partake in with my brothers before summer, you know, before a nice summer day, later cocoa puffs became this cheap bootlegged version of some binge that I would mix with other cheap ingredients to get my heroin food fixed in in the dark corner of my kitchen when no one was looking. I mean it was a different existence quickly. What happened was this disease progressed quickly in my life. When I was sixteen, I was running cross country I had a healthy body. I never experienced a diet or weight loss or gain yo-yo cycle. I didn't really examine my weight other than the yearly BMI that my school conducted. And for some reason, unexplainable reason, I ended my cross country practice, and instead of eating this cheesy cracker that I would have eaten, no, no problem, just dug into it, maybe finished half of it, and went on my day not thinking about food, I looked at the back of it and read the calorie amount, and it said 210 for the pack. And something in me flickered and thought, really, 210 calories for this little packet of crackers. And I threw them away secretively. And it was the first time that I recall with patches of the sugar cubes story when I was four, <clears throat> that I was secretive about food and I felt guilty. And later it would become what a fellow of ours describes as an abusive partner. Oh, I'll be better next time. I'll go to therapy. Don't worry, I'll be I'll be good to you, Lauren. Oh, don't worry, I'm I'm doing yoga now. We'll be okay. Oh, don't worry, I'm on this macrobiotic diet. I'll be loving to you, and I believed the promises even when I was beaten and beaten and beaten like the jaywalker, running in front of ice cream parlors, getting trampled down, one arm broken after another. I couldn't get out of the cycle. I couldn't get out of the cycle. So that first packet of crackers led me into a six-year obsession with calories and weight and peanut butter and salad and diet, just saturating my life, saturating it. Up until when I was 21, I was preaching the later end of my 21st year, and I attended this teleconference for women of body issues. And it was about loving yourself, this manifesto to love the skin you're in, just love your body, you know, serenity, love your curves. And I, I believed it in theory because I saw those who did but I couldn't feel it in my heart. And the woman on this conference call who led it said, think about the percentage you obsess of your weight and your food and your body size. And I thought about it, and it clicked. I thought it's at least 85% of the day, at least 85 to 90, if not 95%. The other 5% to 15% was spent thinking about my parents and school and finding a job. But the majority of my existence was obsessed with what is my jean size? Can I fit into jeans? Should I shower today? Do I want to see my body today? Is my roommate going to catch me physically? Is she going to see me? Am I going to be able to? have enough cash to get binge food today? Where am I going to live when I don't have a job because I can't sit into clothing? These thoughts permeated every area of my existence. It It was worse than prison for me. I would go outside in the sunlight and latch on to anybody thinner than me with a judgment of hate of extreme jealousy where I had the thought of prison would be more freeing than this because then at least I have three meals measured and I wouldn't, I wouldn't binge, you know, I'd, I'd be in my cell, eat my meals and I wouldn't be forced to participate in the world. Before, my first meeting, which was three days before my 22nd birthday, September 10th, 2012, I was at the lowest point with this disease. It it was a quick progression. I was having another summer where I hadn't worked. I was living off of my parents' money in an apartment with a roommate that I barely saw. I had not attended the summer classes that I said I was going to attend for college. I had missed the first two weeks of fall term, again, wasting hundreds of dollars, another hundreds of dollars of my parents' money. I had not completed any of the summer plans I would hoped for. You know, get a boyfriend, wear, be able to sit in that bathing suit, go take a road trip, I'm here. I don't know where I left off. Um, so, yeah, when, that summer before my 22nd birthday, I had spent three months, do, four months, doing very little, very little of life. Um, wasn't working, wasn't going out to see friends. I was going out to buy my binge food. Go on the internet and obsess about how thin other people were and how I can get thin, but later, you know? And it was this existence of, I'm not ready yet today. I'd love to go to this dance party, but today I'm not ready. I would love to travel to Italy, but I can't wear a bathing suit today, so maybe in the future. And it was horrible. Horrid to have time be so slow. Um, I had trouble walking upstairs. I lived on the third floor of an apartment, and that was excruciating to walk up three flights of stairs. My doctor told me I was pre-diabetic. And I was also what you would call agoraphobic, which is I was terrified – to leave the comfort of my bedroom to be seen publicly. I, I couldn't fit into clothing. I I had this job that I worked for two weeks before flaking out and just leaving, and I wore this huge poncho and these large black leggings because that's all that would fit me, and these, this, um, sometimes this long blue raincoat. And I would sweat as I walked to this job in 88-degree heat with this, you know, covering every inch of my body, sweat pouring down, being flushed, feeling so disgusting around this group of people who looked the same every day of the week. It, it was, it, it led me to fantasize about buses running me over and not waking up the next morning. So. I met with my parents who expressed concern. They said, Florin, you're not working. you're not going to class. This is serious <laughs> what's what's going to come of you? You can't bend your clothes. The only time we see you is when you want to go to Trader Joe's to buy food for the week. What are you eating like what you buy healthy food. What is going on? And I came home crying, which was new for me Mid- absolutely miserable. My parents didn't love me, I thought. And I called this suicide hotline called Allegheny Resolve in Pittsburgh where I'm where I live and where I've lived for the past twenty four years. And I said, first of all, is this call free? You know, is this toll free, right? And then I said, Second of all, I'm not gonna kill myself, you know, keep your pants on. I'm not gonna kill myself. But but nobody loves me. And I realized I didn't have friends. I didn't have support. And that was my existence. I had lived such an isolated, selfish, blanky, irresponsible way of living in my addiction, never showing up for my friends, stealing food, lying about why I can't attend another event, that I didn't have true relationships with fellows. I, I It's not that people didn't love me, but I felt so alone. Next thing you know, guys, I'm on my computer, which I had spent millions of hours on before. (laughs) That's where I lived, on the computer. And I was Googling OA meetings Pittsburgh. I want to preface that nobody told me about OA. Nobody in my family was a food addict that went to OA. No one was an alcoholic, a drug addict, a gambler for an anonymous fellowship. I don't know why I googled OA and why I didn't Google tapeworm diet or or liposuction that's under a hundred dollars. Like I don't know why I googled OA meetings or zero calorie peanut butter. It's just it's. It's a phenomenon. It's a phenomenon. A meeting was about 10 minutes from my apartment on a Tuesday at 12.15 in Pittsburgh, which was my first meeting on September 10, 2012. That same time, I was talking to the advisors at at the University of Pittsburgh where I was a student but I had not attended any classes that fall yet because I was going to take the term off from school and I called my parents and my brother crying saying I got to do this and I'm going to spend the time working as a dog walker going to OA and continuing with therapy. Now the dog walking I flaked out of that which was not uncommon for me. I, I could not hold down any job even for a week but OA was the first thing in my entire life that I was consistent about. I did not flake. I, that's another phenomenon. Okay, there's Lauren in death. Now, Lauren in the now, in life. That first meeting, I wish I told you someone gave me a big book. And was recovered, but that was not true for me. I will say that every experience for the first five months was useful to me and helpful. Um, so that was September. In January, oh, this fellow—I'm going to say her name. She is a light of. She's a. She's a light of the world. Her name is Katie S <clears throat> in Pittsburgh. She. I called her one day as an, as an outreach call. What's up, Katie? You know, I'm, I know you from the third. You know, I know you from the Thursday meeting. She's like, Lauren, good to hear from you. This is the uh, second time I talked to her on the phone. She said, Lauren, I'd like to introduce you to this meeting. I've been listening to it. It's unbelievable what these people are saying, and I, I strongly suggest you check it out. I said, Okay, cool, thanks, Bud. Talk to you later. Bye. Click typed in on my computer again. My best friend, my computer. <clears throat> www.avision. The number four. <laughs> you. Info. Pressed enter. Up came this website with this beautiful garden path on the heading and the telephone meeting. There's recording special editions. And I went to a big book recording, clicked on the day. I think it was I think it was like december actually it was not January. I think it was like december twenty seventh or something like that, two thousand and twelve and what I heard was not stale, was not outdated. it was a phenomenon <laughs> it was freedom within freedom from this disease, and these fellows I heard talk. Worked a program that I felt in my innermost heart I could stay sober on the rest of my life. If I did what these people did, I wouldn't have to binge another day. And I could get free of this thing for good. One day at a time for good. Again, I'd like to tell you these people were like, yeah, just go to meetings, do a food plan, listen to some recordings. But that was not the case. And that's not the case. In my experience, 100% of these people said, I am free today. I am recovered from this state of obsession and out in the craving because I worked the steps honestly, thoroughly, and completely trigger-free, allergen-free by the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. So I did very little step work in those five months between – or no, three months between September and January. I was doing some work with the OA workbook, which gave me relief, but I didn't transform. And it was truly a half measure in my experience. Um, I was committing my food every day to my sponsor. Again, it was simply – Half measure gave me relief, but it didn't give me freedom. I was going to upwards of uh, upwards of seven meetings a week, not including the ones that I would listen to on the OA Light a Candle and OA Podcast and and the Vision for You. I was listening to um, at least seven, you know, seven meetings a week. Again, that was a half measure. I did not get freedom from that; it was just relief. So. I had almost, it's not luck, it's just God's grace that I stayed sober during those three months. And then during the two months or three months before I started, the steps. Oh man, so this is where Lauren's real recovery, I guess we could say, starts. My third phone call to Katie. The first one was about her food plan because she told me she was committing her food the day before she would eat it, and I started to do that, and that was very, very helpful. The third one, the second one was about the steps. The third one, or the vision for you, the third one was she told me about this big book study group. I was going to, I was in this time where I would lost some weight, and I was hanging out every night, and I was going with a fellow, named Faith to this event at the Rex Theater in Pittsburgh in the South Side. And Katie was performing, essentially, there. Not essentially, she was. And I called her and said, oh, I'm going to see you in in a bit. I'm on my way to the theater. I'm just getting uh, a ride on the bus. And Katie said, I'm really excited to see you. Thanks for coming out. I'd like to invite you to this group. I said, okay, yeah, Faith talked about it at this um big book study, right? Katie said, Yeah, you know, I'm currently doing it in this other program. We're gonna do it for OA. And why don't you text me your email address and I'll send you the information. And again by this time I had done a lot of work in OA, but I didn't have recovery so after the event i emailed my sponsor committed my question from the workbook my um uh, the next morning i got this email from katie about this big book study and we use what's called the big book of awakening to go through the text thoroughly and honestly We had our first week to meet up with our study and our assignment on March thirteenth, two thousand thirteen, which is a bunch of threes. So that's neat. And that day, fellas, was—I mean, I wish—I wish wish there were like cooler words I could use in English in English language, but it was a phenomenon. that because i've used that word four times now it was it was lauren's rebirth it it was more empowering than my first la meeting and my even my first um experience with food when i was four with the sugar cubes it was a light of this is the steps so what happened with me was we would meet every week at Faith's house, me, her, Katie. Okay, she, occasionally there would be a few other fellows. They would come, and we'd come with our work. We'd meet for two hours, and we'd come with our, our assignment, our big book read, our part of the big book read, our, our questions answered, our transcriptions and annotations put into our big book, turning all those statements into questions. Do I believe this is true for me? Is this? Do I relate to this? Am I really a compulsive overeater? Um, Do I relate to Bill's story? And do I relate how I am agnostic in areas of my life? And I believe God can take me further than every area, whether it's 10 years of sobriety or 10 days. Do I believe that this book has a real message of depth and weight? And I can become recovered if I do what these people did thoroughly. So, Uh, five to 30 minutes of doing this step every single day, every 24 hours was transforming and it was not a half measure. I also committed my completely trigger-free obsession-free food plan, which has boundaries to it. I don't eat extra food or undereat. Um I don't eat ingredients that are toxic to my spirit. I do so I did that and I do that I commit it to fellows working the BBA study. So people who are struggling with the food and people who have more advanced recovery than me, who have what I want. And the third thing that I did in that time and I I do today still was every day I connected with people with recovery of depth and weight, people who were free of this thing and and viewed this as life or death, as two doors, spiritual life or addict, a, addicted death. Um so I did those three things every single day, every twenty four hours and, you know, there are a lot of other, I mean, that's not it, guys. I mean, there are a lot of other hours I poured into recovery, but promises came true for me from that first meeting. So I'll just – it's 9.03. Oh, my gosh. So, oh, wish I could just explain to you what has happened, you know, I started to view food as what it was, as this is my alcohol. Instead of saying to fellows, no, uh, no thank you, I, I can't eat that just peanut butter or that chocolate fudge, no thank you like maybe later, maybe another day, but not just for today, no. It became, no, I thank you, but I'm not going to have that. And in my head was, I'm not going to have that because that's going to kill me. And it was this amazing transformation that happened during step one. Um, I did not come in with that attitude on March 13, 2013. That happened as a result of of going through the doctor's opinion thoroughly and then later Bill's story and seeing his progression with the allergy. Uh, Gosh, there's like a million different amazing experiences I could share with you that... Or not in and of myself, or all because of you. Uh, step two was my step two experience was simple because step one was really the foundation of my entire program and is the foundation. I I urge you if you're if you're like me and you are a real compulsive reader, I urge you not to rush. Step one, because you want to get to step four. There's this quote from this. um, He's not an he's not an addict, but he's this this spirit guided speaker named Father Martin, and he says the entire the motivation the the clarity that you work steps two through twelve. Your entire program rests on the foundation of your step one don't do step one half-heartedly um how we do it in bba is it's it's eight weeks um that's just my experience but if you just i believe in my heart that if step one is a day if it's eight weeks if it's a couple hours it's it's got to be perfect there can't be a back door of, I have a reservation, I can eat like normal men and women, and to eat is not to die, and I can get licked of this thing, and I can be cleansed of the allergy when I'm connected to God. You know, I had to to wash my brain out of all of those ideas, cast away all of those ideas in step one, and... What resulted was I, I gained a reality around who I was and, and food and my abstinence. I wanted to protect like a baby sea turtle. Yeah, you know, I know Katie's listening; she's going to laugh at that. I wanted to protect it like a baby sea turtle. <clears throat> I oh, man, I'd like to say that the first five months of my program, when I did all the tools, I looked good on paper. I didn't have much to lose. All I had to lose was a couple pounds to gain, and some maybe like a five-month chip, a, a three thirty-day chip, a couple of those. But when I started doing the Big Book about the steps out of the Big Book about Alcoholics Anonymous, and I used the Big Book of Awakening, I had so much recovery to lose that I I protected it. It, it wasn't about just because by that point I. Maintained about a sixty-pound weight loss when I started. It it wasn't about that, and it wasn't about the fact that I had then had five months of abstinence, and then six months, and then seven months. It wasn't about that I was being asked to speak, and people were thanking me after sharing at a at a face-to-face meeting in Pittsburgh. It was I had I had real transformation and I had real recovery to lose it, it it was it was real it it was this was different this was not dieting with group support this was working the steps to freedom this was not a half measure so okay so my step 2 was relatively simple when i accepted i was completely powerless in my innermost self yeah, of course there has to be a power. I mean, of course, if it's Lauren, if Lauren's the god of the universe, and Lauren is is Katie's power and my mom's power and my dad's power, then this, <laughs> this whole, this planet is going to burst into flames eventually. I mean, there has to be a power, and it can't be Lauren. And step two for BBA was two weeks. Simple, not easy, but simple. Step three was a week, uh, or, or a meeting, I should say, with six days of doing the work every day, and this was when I truly felt cradled in the arms of my Creator. I cried for the first time, and well, for the first time since that suicide call in September of uh, September tenth. Step three was um, kind of where God came into play because my first conception was a, a, a goddess named Cosmo. It, it wasn't a it wasn't the word God. It, it couldn't have been. I was I was not ready for the word God in the slightest. And then it transformed in step two into this like woodland <laughs> fairy tale with with animals and like cos cosmo cosmological i'm not sure sh- astronomical mother and father and twins and babies this this like snow white fairy tale family that i pray to and that transformed naturally into god i don't know why it's God. I mean, the fact that I can say God and him and it's this beautiful best friend is unbelievable for somebody like me who was so damaged by the church of my childhood and by my parents' conception of what my power should be. <clears throat> so that became my loving father. And that's been my conception since that moment, you know, two years two years ago is is a my best friend, God, I, I I talk to him throughout the day like he is my best friend who's also the most loving un- ph- <laughs> phenomenon in existence. I've never felt an inkling like he doesn't love me.
2: And I
1: know I could... I could murder a baby sea turtle, which would be devastating to my spirit, and my God would, would be sad. He'd be a little sad. He'd be, Lord, why'd you murder my sea turtle? You know, But he would love me. He would love Okay, I'm back. Sorry okay. about that. I'm not sure if I said this, but I, I think the last thing I said was about a sea turtle. So, God would love me even if I.
0: Hello?
1: (laughs) I hope I'm being heard. You are. You are. All right. Maybe there's just. I'm. Okay. Who knows? Step four. Oh, my gosh. In my little outline that I, I have used to this piece of paper a little bit, I wrote, we are all connected. So my step four inventory, it's it's fashion and BBA. It's a four-week long step, but I did it in two and a half weeks. And I still attended each meeting and, and participated, but I was doing it more quickly outside of the – two-hour meeting at Faith's House, because I I was at this point where I wanted my transformation before the obsession caught up with me. Um, you know, food, I was repelled against food. I didn't want brownies and just peanut butter. But if I saw it or someone was eating it around me, my head was so loud. And it was like, oh, Lord, see, they're eating just. It was, it was like that abusive partner. Oh, Lauren, you know, it's been eight months, nine months. Maybe you're different. And it was, it was very, It was like static on a television set. It was so loud that I, I took, I went to great lengths to avoid seeing, smelling, and being around my toxic, alcoholic foods. Uh, I say we're all connected because of this fellow who has a resentment. Okay, it's 9.50. Uh, Melanie, just to check, I will have this wrapped up in about 10 minutes, maybe 15 if I'm uh, selfish. So this fellow that I'm working with, this beautiful fellow of ours, currently resides in a country where the time zone is 12 hours ahead of mine and she found me from from you. She found me on the vision for you meeting. She's going she went through this resentment recently because fellows were telling her she was too skinny. And I said, I'll just call her Sam. That's not her real name, but I'll call her Sam for this purpose. I said, Sam, I went through that exact same experience. And, and, I, and wow, I knew one day my experience would be useful. It wouldn't be wasted. And now you're experiencing what I did. And I, what I did, Lauren S. from Pittsburgh, is I, I saw and I see a nutritionist who weighs me and is, who gives a neutral view of, Lauren, you're a gorgeous weight, and she, had, she has had to adjust my calorie amount but I have maintained my weight by her, her guidance. <clears throat> so every experience I've experienced is, is going to be useful. It's, it's a, it's a phenomenon, man. What other word can I give it? Um, I'm not going to get to all the other eight steps, but, Okay, I keep on getting muted for some reason, but I will try my best to, to just share an s- experience from the rest of my program. So step five, I have here, oh, man, June of, this, of 2014 was when I did a fifth step with my buddies Alicia and Katie, and I shared some things as a recovered woman that I've done in sobriety that I thought they would leave me. You know scandal- you know silly things with guys and even behaviors around the food, like uh, oh, like eating in my car that I felt like was shameful, and they hugged me and loved me after I shared that and and oh, another one was I was smoking cigarettes occasionally, and I was embarrassed about that, and I felt so loved, I have friends. Step six. This is unacceptable to me. There are things in my recovery that it takes a lot of pain until I'm ready to give them over. Um, one is spending money. You know, I can tell you today that I I don't really like to go into Target and just buy things, but that took hundreds of dollars in sobriety to get to that point of. I can't be spending money. That's selfish, and I can't remove this on my own. God um step 7 oh my goodness gravy i have here okay so again my higher power i felt like a hypocrite until i really became connected to god during step 7 in my my prayer i you know i said the amen to the third step prayer essentially and the the, the three frogs jumped into that pond you know it wasn't about a decision i was following through in, with With recovery, and God was so real to me that I felt weird around my parents who had such a different understanding of God that they they almost expressed shame that i I didn't believe in their conception and it and it was difficult, but God for me gives me life, and it has to be a conception that I believe in and have faith in. Step eight, Chris. I met this beautiful fellow named Chris. He's the guy who I just went to a meeting one day at, in a different fellowship, and he was there, and it changed my life. The best relationship I've ever had with a guy ever. He is like my best friend. Who I have thought about dating, but it's it's with God. It's it's a phenomenon how this relationship is. Um, step nine. I wrote Amory. This is the step that changed my life from being afraid of when I might relapse and being astonished at abstinence to I can actually become recovered if I keep doing this work every day. And I can, I can share among those on Vision for You with a freedom. Anne Marie was my roommate for five years, five years. In college, this is a girl who saw the worst of me, who I hid from. I lived in a very small apartment with her, and I avoided her. I I was afraid to use the bathroom because I didn't want her to run into me. I never said hi when she had friends or family around because I was too embarrassed about myself. And when I was doing my steps and my fourth step, I resented her. I hated her. I I loathed her. I loved when she visited her boyfriend so she'd be out of the apartment. And I'm telling you this while I'm, like, in recovery sharing the big book. Meanwhile, I'm avoiding my roommate. It was this Jekyll and Hyde syndrome. Uh, I made an amends to her. That was the most beautiful experience. Before I made that amends, I had a thought. To binge that I had not had in well, I had one in March and then I had one in November. And when I made a messer, it was in September. And a fellow, one of you, told me you have got to make this amends. And I sat down with her and I said, Anne Marie, you know, I stole food from you. I wasn't there for you. I hid from you. I wasn't a good friend. And and I I shared what I've done and I let her share her experience with me, and, and how I could repay it. What did I leave out? Is there, is there anything I can do to make this right, Amory? And she said, you know, what you did, it made me sad. Like, you're my friend, and I missed you. And she said, oh, Lauren, I got to go. I'm going to this wedding now. I'll see you later, okay? And I was actually going to a meeting. And was it a wedding. I'm trying to, oh, no, the, one of them was after my dad's events. But I was, or it was a meeting. I was going to a meeting with Katie and another fellow, Jessica, Thursday at seven p.m. in Pittsburgh, that I go to regularly. And I got in that car and I said, "I love Anne Marie. I hope she's okay." She, Anne Marie expressed she's she's splitting up from her boyfriend, and I I wanted nothing more than to be there for her and love her as a friend. And it was amazing. I it was a phenomenon. Um, all right. Step 10, 11, and 12 are for me all about growing. Uh, a fellow of ours who shares on this meeting regularly says, We're either, we're like a flower. We're either growing or we're dying. There's no standing still. So, my step 10, I like the paragraph on page 70 that if Katie's listening, in and she'll laugh because I always bring that up. And it says, If we are, if when we make mistakes, because we will regularly, if we're honest about what we have done and have the honest desire to let God lead us to better things, we will not relapse. But if our conduct continues to harm others, we are quite sure to binge or under eat over it. These are not we're not theorizing, these are facts of our experience. So when things happen in Lauren's plan and, you know, she's smoking cigarettes which aren't spiritual, you know, I have not touched them in about a year and a half, but you know, I don't consider that a very guiltless act, um, I know that if I have an honest desire to walk with God, that experience with those cigarettes or that eating in the car will, or that, you know, 13th stepping (laughs) at a meeting will be useful to others. But if I don't try my best to clean house, help God's kids and trust in him. I will binge over that. You know, it'll lead to the it'll be the spiritual malady leading to the obsession to the allergy. Step eleven. Oh man, I just came from church where I practiced my step eleven, closing my eyes, praying and feeling God's presence. Um, I also practice a more formal with a timed meditation morning and night. And my step twelve step twelve, you know, I'd love to tell you I always loved sponsoring, but I was afraid to do it the first year and a half. And today my sponsees are oh I love them. Like like I would I would give my life for them. I would give my life. I would I would be the Jaywalker if one of my sponsees could be free of this. And I truly believe, fellas, that if you honestly, thoroughly, and willingly work every 24 hours a completely obsession-free, trigger-free food plan, work the steps from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous at least five minutes every day and are committed to and connected to a fellowship of depth and weight and fellows who are free of this thing, you will become free of this and you can stay abstinent and free, not just one day at a time, but one day at a time for good. And uh, oh, the last thing, you know, there's all these cool little phrases that I picked up along the way, but the last quote I'm going to leave you guys with is We survive in a herd. And I'm going to tie it, in the last, I'm going to try to give this story in like two minutes. There's this fellow named Bob. D-O-B-D, his last initial is D as in dog, and he's from Las Vegas. This man has, he has done so much for guiding me, guiding me to this recovery that there's no way I can repay him. I mean, if I ever meet him in person, I'll, I, i will probably be dumbfounded. That'll probably be one of the rare times you don't hear Lauren speak at a meeting, you know. And he tells this story about this herd of zebras because somebody asked him, "What about young person OA?" and and I'm a I'm a white person in OA, and I'm an Indian person in OA, and I'm an old person. And Bob says, we, "You know, we really come we." We share our similarities, and we, we excuse the differences. And it's like a herd of zebras. And you're right. There are those who are along the side, who are in their little groups, who are isolated. And you're right. They are different. They're dinner. You know, <laughs> it's like they're dinner. You know, they, they get picked off by the, the lions. He said, we survive in a herd. We survive in a herd. And that's why right now I'm no different than the fellow who's in the food, tears in her eyes, sweating from food fog. And I'm no different from the fellow who's happy, joyous, and free, living peacefully with her family and loved ones, free from this, this uh, condition. We survive in a herd. We are all vital, I believe, in my heart. And that was not something that I came in believing, uh, on September tenth, two thousand and twelve. Thanks, guys. That's all I got to share. Um, and with that I will pass.
0: Thank you, Lauren, for your personal story today. You gave so much of yourself. Just very grateful for that. You know, ending with such hope and possibility. Appreciate it. Much appreciated. Thank you, Lauren. You know, some of our fellows in the audience today may have questions for you. Would you have time to stay around and field some of those questions?
1: I do have time.
0: Oh, fantastic. Thank you. So then I'll turn our attention to those that are on the line that may have a question. If you'd press star 1 to unmute your line, you'll be able to be heard. Who among us has the first question today for Lauren? Hi, this is Susan. Hi, good morning, Susan. Go ahead with your question.
3: I don't have a question, just a comment. Um, I just want to thank Lauren. This is, she is my sponsor, and I'm blessed to have her in my life. And She's been uh, an inspiration to me. She's so passionate about her recovery, and she just shines the light. I mean, she's just an amazing person, and I'm just grateful to have her, um, and she just She walks the walk and she shines God's love. And that's what I saw in her. And I really think on this Easter day that it's really about shining God's love and helping others. And she is an example of that. And I just want to thank her. And I'm grateful I woke up on the wrong side of the bed this morning. And (laughs) that negativism. And the poor me, poor me. And something said, you better get on that phone and listen. So I just, You know, I just wanted to say thank you and and thank you for everybody for this program, and just to be reminded about the surviving in the herd. Because I can very easily go back; it can happen in a day, like in my little bubble, you know, and for me, for me, and I'm different from everybody because I have this other stuff in my life. And I just want to say thank you and, and happy Easter to everybody.
0: Thank you, Susan. I have a question for Lauren this morning. Hi, this is Katie S. Hi, um. Hi Katie S. Um, what is your Hi, question,
4: please? Your question okay. for Lauren this morning. Mm-hmm. Yes, thank my, you. <laughs> my question, my question. Um, first of all, thank you so much, Lauren. I love you. And um, my question is what would you say to the fellow who has um, would you say to our fellows who are, are relapsing or struggling with the food and and how um you know h- how would you gear your program towards them and I I know that uh the only thing that I've ever really heard out of your mouth is this loving God's kids and and helping others so how do you direct that to to those in need today? Oh my
1: gosh! First of all, first of all, fellas, I have both. I have both of you written down in my outline. Of the a bright spot of my life, um, I have here Susan with a little son. How did she find me? Because uh, because um, I owe you my life. And same thing, Katie. I owe you my life, and I owe all of you my life. Uh, Sponsors and fellows who are in the food, I, I'll share. <clears throat> a fellow of ours, Debbie L. She she helped me greatly with this. She said, "Lauren, whether you carry a message that's horrid or a message that's beautiful." If they're ready to have their transformation, they're going to have it, and there's nothing you can do. And I, Bob D. talks about the adjective, are you sponsorable? Are you sponsorable? And and when I work with somebody who's sponsorable, they're ready for their transformation. They, They commit their stuff. They do the work. They protect their abstinence. They avoid those seemingly unimportant decisions as one of our fellows says, I believe it's Joe Jo M and they're sponsorable. And then there's those who who need more research and development who who keep relapsing and are in pain from it. And I'll relay one of my sponsees, let's call her Danielle. I had the pleasure of seeing her, tears in her eyes, dead, saying I keep doing the work. I'm doing the BBA, but I keep relapsing. What What's going on? And I said, Danielle, before you feel hope, you have to be hopeless. And there's a fine line between surrender and mental breakdown. You, I believe you're at that jumping-off point. And I have, I have more hope for Danielle than I ever have, ever. Because she, she's, each, every last binge is more sufferable to her. And all I have is my experience, which was I wasn't done until the food became so painful that recovery was a step up. Food no longer gave me ease and comfort. It gave me pain and um I didn't even come in wanting a solution. I just came in because I was, I was gonna die. Not everybody needs to have a bottom like that, but I do think that somebody who wants to become recovered from this thing needs to want to stop eating or under eating for good, not because their doctor or their spouse or their friends want them to but they and their innermost self want to stop for good for good Um, and the second is that they they've experienced somebody who has a solution and and they, they they want a solution and and they would rather put recovery first than all of the time it took to get the food. It's simple, but it's not easy. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Katie. Thanks, Lauren. Anyone else have a question? For Lauren Laura this
0: morning. Maura Z. Hi, Maura Z. Good morning. Go ahead your question. Thank you for your service. Good to hear you on the line this morning. Lauren, I appreciate your, uh, your share this morning, but I'm troubled by something. I hope you can perhaps clarify for me. You spoke of taking eight weeks to do step one. Yes. And my understanding is that we must move swiftly through these steps in order to get to our, you know, spiritual awakening, um, if we are so blessed by doing the work thoroughly,
5: Mm -hmm.
0: um, promptly, quickly, because otherwise we're going to pick up again. So I'm a bit... um, (laughs) Disturbed (laughs) and confused while you're taking eight weeks to go through step one with your sponsees. And also, the second question is what's DBA?
1: Okay. Somebody would ask, uh, thank you, Mara Z. Uh, Fellas, thank you for all your questions because I know that you are helping so many of those on the line and in the future with your questions. Uh, Okay, why eight weeks? BBA just BBA is just a way of going through the book. So A Vision for You is a beautiful meeting. BBA is just a beautiful way to go through the text. You know, I've heard of the OA workbook and the, the H-O-W-A, and um, there's a bigbook.info, and there's, you know, Joan and Charlie offer a workshop. There's all these ways, and BBA is another way that I find and there's a website for it, but, but that's a, that's um, that's sort of something that maybe I'll share off the recording, that if you do the book thoroughly, and I, BBA, I just found, is, is how I did it, then I believe 75% can recover like was intended in the, I um, it's written in the first forward or the second forward or the preface. Now, eight weeks, so BBA goes through the text in a way that is half of a chapter or a whole chapter a week. And each chapter has questions and considerations with it. Out of the 103 pages devoted to steps 1 to 12, uh, 40... 43, I believe, are step one. So step one is almost 50% of the working text. And, again, I just had my experience, which was my step one had to be thorough, thorough and and, and drawn out. and, and, And every word of step one in the text, the doctor's opinion, Bill's story, more about alcoholism, there is a solution. And even part of the agnostics, when they talk about the spiritual malady and the bedevilments and then the first two uh, paragraphs of that chapter, um, they all have to be discussed and wrote, written about and taken in my heart because my step one propels me in everything I do. You know, when I'm holding, when I'm in my ninth step, and I'm not sure if I should do an amends, it's not because I haven't worked a thorough eight step or a thorough fourth. It's because I haven't taken step one in my heart of I still can run the show. I'm not going to eat over this. I'm not that bad. I can wait. Or in my fourth step when I think I can draw it out or not write it thoroughly or not give it over in step five, that's not because I didn't work a thorough third or a thorough second. It's because I haven't worked a thorough first step, which is, i got this. I don't need to do this quickly, my fourth step. I can hold on to some of these secrets. I'm I'm not going to relapse over it. So, um, you know, I know there's fellows who've worked step one shorter than eight weeks, and they have a program that I respect. And there's those who work it longer than eight weeks, and they have a program I respect. So I I know how I work it is different, but BBA really doesn't let you kind of gloss over any of the working texts, especially in Step 1, um, because Step 1 motivates me in everything I do, everything I do. It's all down to my powerlessness, and I'm going to die over this if I don't uh, put recovery first. So, thanks. With that, I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Morrissey, for the question. Um, Thank you, Lauren, for the answer. Anyone else with a question this morning for Lauren? Press star one to unmute if you're interested in asking Lauren a
5: question. Hi, this is Susie in Fort Worth. Hi, Susie. Go ahead with your question. Hi, Lauren. Thank you so much. Oh, my gosh. What an amazing share. Uh, my sponsor and I both got a copy of um, the Big Book Experience, and we're still we'll, we're still change, writing it in our big books. Uh, a year later, we're still working on getting everything changed, um, and I keep asking if we can't, like, change it together so we could at least be work in the experience together. No, she says we have to get the whole big book changed before we can start working it. What do you think about that?
1: Uh, Okay. Thank you for your question, your helpful question. Um, Yeah, so again, I just worked through the Big Book of Awakening. It's this blue workbook with this other question packet. It's from San Diego, and it's designed to be completed in a study in 20 to 22 weeks, with the kind of sliding scale, with um, the fifth step, like if you do your fifth, they kind of give you an extra week to schedule your fifth step, uh, and um, I guess yeah. So and, and another week is devoted to I believe another step, which might be two weeks or one week. So we. So we didn't change. I didn't change anything in the the instructions. You know, people who have recovered from from the BBA. Um, and Katie was getting the promises. Like I said, she she worked. She was having recovery in it from another program, and her sponsor was recovered in it. They they didn't change any of the instructions. They just said answer these questions, put these annotations. Um. and it really shouldn't take longer than 22 weeks. Like I said, I only did about five to 30 minutes a, a, every day of work along with the two-hour meeting, and I was able to get it all done. Um, so changing – so a fellow of ours on this line, her name's Kim – she says, "If Kimji, she says, if somebody throws you a life raft, you don't ask about changing the color, you know." <laughs> so when I was desperate, I didn't change my food plan. I didn't change the BBA. I just surrendered and just did what people told me. Um, but putting myself in your shoes, if I'm working with a sponsor to go through the work, and it is taking longer than, than I think it should. Um, you know, I I am a little confused why why it is taking longer than the 22 weeks if you are going through the BBA, but I would, you know, I'm a little, con- I, I don't have an answer, which is kind of cool because I think I know everything. Um, I'm going to tell you, I just, shared you my experience and the best i can do is ask fellows usually what i do when i don't know an answer is, is i ask uh, a fellow or two about a about your question and then i'll share and then i'll like get back to you so
0: thanks i thank you Susie, for the question and thanks lauren for the Response to that. I just want to just, just to send out. A, excuse me, just one second. Just to send out a gentle reminder this morning that that um, there's wonderful uh, outside issues that uh, help guide others and folks through their their recovery. And but in the interest of, of respecting the traditions here, we, we don't you know just but lightly maybe explain something about. But just if you would keep your questions to um, things within the traditions of um, OA. Um, and um, and then save maybe the outside issue ones, very specific ones, for when Lauren gives her contact information. And you can speak with her offline about that. Thank you so much. And so does anyone else have a question of Lauren's uh, recovery today uh, based on the um, the AA Big Book uh, Program of Recovery? Thank you. Hi, yes, this is Sherry from
4: Massachusetts. from Massachusetts. Did I hear Sherry? Is that what I heard? Yes, Sherry from Massachusetts. Hi, Hi Sherry from Mass. Go ahead with your question
0: for Lauren Hi. This morning.
4: Lauren, it was great to hear you. Um, I um, started the Big Book Step Study process um, about seven years ago, and I have um, continued to pick food up. And after listening um, to your experience, Strength and Hope, today, I am kind of thinking that I really, you know, in the way that I did it, which, you know, is great. Um, but no time was spent on step one and people would say to me, you know, my, my um, outreach calls that I make, well, Sherry, maybe you, maybe you didn't do, um, a thorough step one. And I would be like, well, how, you know, I went through it with a, you know, qualified big book step study sponsor and a loving God. Um, I can't imagine that she didn't bring me thoroughly through step one, But after listening um, to you today and listening to the way that you do it in BBA, um, I really think that it's very important to spend a lot of time on step one because if you can't do step one and you skim over it because you're getting to all the other steps, for me, my experience is I've continued to pick up the food every couple of months. And I really think at this point that uh, I need to find another way and I'm not saying that the way that uh, that I did it and I continue to do it because I continue to go to those um, big book step study meetings and I get tons of recovery um, but uh, there's always a fear in me like I'm going to pick up again I know it and you know the freedom that you talk about I believe is a freedom and it's not just relief because I get relief and I know the difference. Um, The freedom that you talk about um, is the freedom that I would like to have and not have that cloud over my head going, you're going to pick up again, you're going to pick up again because you really think that you can do it on your own. And I think that that's because not enough time spent on step one. So I'm just very grateful. Um, I believe that God put me on this meeting this morning to hear just this, Um, and I really believe that step one is very important. I'm very anxious to get your number afterwards just so that um, I can talk to you more about it and find out who I would need to contact to um, maybe, you know, to get involved with it more. Thank you very much, Lauren. With that, I'll pass.
1: Thanks, Sherry. And again, you know, I know I talked about a specific way of working the text, um, but I find that it just comes down to the big book. And instead of reading it as a book of answers, oh, yeah, 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 I know the doctor's video. Oh, yeah, I know that. It's really pausing between the statements and asking myself and writing about it, what's my experience with this, and is this true for me? And now how I worked it, or there are guided questions. There are transcriptions that you write the questions in it's very very like study guide textbook helpful in that way but laying aside that specific format big book turning it into questions really pausing and relating bill's story to your story and your allergy to the doctor's opinion and the reservations they talk about in um uh more alcoholism than there is a solution I, and relating yourself to Fred and, and the jaywalker and the Mr. Carpet Slippers. I think that that is a way to work of depth and weight and recover thoroughly. Um, I don't know if that was clear, but thank you. And that I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Sherry. Thank you, Lauren. Anyone else with a question for Lauren this morning? Hi, this is Kathy from Illinois. Can you hear me? I can. Good morning, Kathy. Go ahead with your question, please. Good morning. Thank you. I think you might have already answered this, Lauren, but, uh, well, first of all, thanks for sharing your story um, and your recovery. I uh, am working on my ninth step amends right now, and I'm stalled, and I'm really hesitant to make some of my amends, and I wondered just how how you got through your amends, how you um if there was a delay, how you got the momentum and um just some some of your experience on the ninth step, does that make sense?
1: it does <laughs> <laughs> um thanks again, and what came to me in the intro before my last talk was guys, I'm just another bozo on the bus. I mean it's it's kind of silly for us to, to give these shares and, and put myself as a leader. You know, this can be dangerous for my ego. You know, acting like I know anything. But um what comes to me is like I'm no different than you. I've I just I'm not, you know, I need you. So nine yeah. Um I'm I'm gonna say it First step, first step propelled me. Like like why I didn't stall on calling people to make these contacts, writing the events cards, going to them face-to-face was because I didn't want to relapse, and I knew to relapse was to die. And I knew that my obsession would beat me down and would catch up with me eventually. And it was progressive, and if I picked up, I might not have another recovery in me. I know I have another relapse in me, so my first step really grounded me into um, working through the amends before I relapsed. And even today, you know, I live in a recovered state. Food, I have neutrality around food. It does not call to me. I do not want to overeat. Um, when I need to make an amends today. My first step experience brings me to do it. I have to make this amends because it's going to lead to the, it's going to drive the spiritual malady, which they talk about in the Agnostics, and it's going to lead to the obsession, which they talk about in step one in those four chapters, and it's going to drive the allergy. And when I, I think it's Ruth who talked about this, when I'm in that cycle of binging, I can't get out of it. It it's it's a miracle that I stop. So my amends there were some I didn't want to make. One was to my roommate Amory and I almost ate over it. That that was that was a serious one and I called a fellow, I called one of us and she said, What are you doing? She saved my life. <laughs> she said, You make that amends what are you doing to your recovery? You're going to lose it all. And I think it's really crucial for me to have in my network fellows who, I don't want to swear, but I guess I'll use a synonym. I can't put, who can't, who won't pussyfly around, who don't, who, who realize this is a serious disease and are going to tell me the truth. Who so are going to say, what are you doing? Make that amends if you want to live. Um, not every fellow is like that. Some are like, oh, it's cool. You know, you're doing the best you can. So <laughs> I think if you're like me, you got to make those amends. There's no way around it. If you want to live free, you got to do the amends um, if they're appropriate. And I think it's important to talk to a fellow before you make them, make sure they are appropriate. Uh, I think there's a big difference between having all amends done and having all but one. So that'll pass. <clears throat> thank you, thank
0: you, Kathy M, for the question. Thank you, Lauren, for your response. Does anyone else have a question for Lauren this morning? Carol G. Hi, good morning, Carol G. Go ahead with your question, please. Morning, Melanie. Morning, Lauren. Thank you so much for your wonderful share. (laughs) You're so radiating love. I can feel it all the way in England. Um, My question is for you today, my dear, is um, how would you describe uh, your current experience of the practice of Step 10 and 11 with this awakened spirit that you're talking about compared to the days before you were transformed?
1: Thank you. I, I just Guys, I get so lit up from like talking to you. I just did a little happy dance. Now, before I answer that question, Carol, you know, this program's beautiful. I have friends in London. I have friends in Bali. <laughs> it's real. I mean, this is so cool that okay. I I geek I I tend to geek geek out, as you will, about this fellowship. I don't know if it's good or bad, just my experience. So Ted eleven. Before, I really felt walking hand-in-hand with God. I did it as part of my discipline when I was doing my amends. My step 10 was um, through the day when I would remember to feel, (laughs) when I would feel restless or afraid or selfish or resentful. Or when I lied, I would talk to my higher power and say the simple prayer of, "Thy will not mine be done um, bob there's this bob d talks about three kinds of prayer, and one is help me, the other is grant me you know the serenity prayer the third one which I I feel misguided actually towards this, whatever, God, thy will. I'm not going to give you a command, just thy will. So my step 10 was that. And the other part of my step 10 was when I owed an amends, I made the amends. And I was still kind of doing my first, crop of amends so it was kind of mixed with my first ninth step um, and my amends when I was early in step 10 were more formal it was still like my note cards or my um, you know amends with fellas that I did before recovery
2: <clears throat>
1: and my step 11 before was disciplined um, reading the Big book, page 84 to 88, every morning, and doing a five minute timed meditation or a guided meditation, and then writing a letter to God in the morning, and then and, and reviewing kind of my plans for the day. What am I going to do today, God? Like meditating um, on the day ahead. And then my nightly 11th step was answering those questions in the big book, in my journal. And then also doing like a timed five-minute meditation. You know, where was I selfish? What could I have done better? Where do I owe an apology? Um, Today, it is a different experience with my 11th step. Absolutely. My 10th step, to be honest, my 10th step isn't solid. That's why I do continue to go through the book at least one time a year. So right now I'm doing like a thorough second step again through through the big book cuz my 10th step alone i can really let go like i can really forget to do a resentment inventory or a thorough amends so i do a thorough step 1 to 12 with fresh eyes as if i'm like coming into the rooms for the first time at least once a year um my step and also whenever i'm feeling the chatter Nothing ensures immunity like intense work with another addict. So the tool of the telephone, whether I'm talking to a sponsee, somebody struggling, or somebody with better recovery than me, it clears away the chatter more than most other methods. And my step 11, guys, meditation is a joy. I seek comfort in it. Where before when I was blocked, meditation was miserable because it, my mind was so loud. I was listening to this meditation that changed my life, named uh, and this meditation was a 30-minute 30, 30 one. And this man, George, said, you can't meditate wrong. As long as you are earnestly trying and making the effort, you can't do it wrong. So I love meditation. I set my... I listen to a guided one, where they kind of tell you how to breathe, how to how to uh, how to picture your your atmosphere. Or I like to listen to nature sounds or beach sounds, and um, it's a joy. And my love stuff. Yeah, I still do the questions, and I do my letter to God every morning, and it's it's kind of exciting. I I don't know. I I it's kind of fun to do now. I'm like, where where did Lauren try to run the show? You know, like. <laughs> Where was, I trying to run the show. It's kind of, it's kind of fun. I enjoy, um, I enjoy my time with God. So, the that'll pass.
0: Thank you, Lauren, and thank you, Carol, for the question this morning. And it is the top of the hour, and I want to thank everyone. Oh, did somebody have a question before we we close? Yeah. Hi, this is Tara in Florida. <laughs> Hi, Tara. Let's take one more question then this morning and and you can take us to the end of our meeting this morning. Thank you, Tara. Go ahead. Thank you. Um, Lauren, thank you for your share today. Wow. such a joy. I'm really happy to... I just have goosebumps. Um, I wanted to ask you if... Or how do you um, talk to people... If you could say if you met somebody who you wanted to share your experience with as sort of a, a prospect, a 12-step, um, you maybe the it's a two-part question. Do you go to any certain places other than OA meetings, um, or like if you were just at a bus stop or something? So. Anyway, you want to answer that? It's kind of an open question about twelfth stepping, and your way oh. of doing it.
1: Hi, Tara. Now, Tara, I I talked to Tara yesterday, and I owed Tara an amends because I was I practiced my tenth step <laughs> yesterday with Tara because I was not pleasant to talk to on the phone with. <clears throat> So how so I would like to offer that. That's another way of doing my 10th step. I do a lot of informal amends today. Um, so my you know, public outreach, how to how to carry the message and all my affairs. There's a fellow who who does a fantastic and you know, I know personally he does a fantastic way of doing this. She she works in a clinical setting. Actually I know a few fellows and they they carry when people ask them about weight and disease. They they talk about OA. Um, so, I'm you know it's I've had I've had some experience with fellows talking to me through OA who are new, but fellows who are not new to OA who are just friends or or prospects not familiar with twelve steps. Two examples. <laughs> was I made them during my nine step. Um actually no two. One was Brittany and she was a friend that I made the amends at my house a year and a half ago and I I was I was not there for her. I, I lied. I flaked on her a lot and we talked about food. Actually three people. Um she struggled with food and throwing up and I was able to offer her what I do and my freedom.
2: <clears throat>
1: no, four people. <laughs> I keep on correcting myself. But the, fourth, the the other three were three fellows I also made an amends to, um, Emily and Brittany and uh, Anne Marie, who all expressed their problems with food. And I, I made an amends to all of them, not expecting to be, like, a, a 12-stepper, just kind of telling my side of what I did. And they ended up saying that they had problems with food. And um, Emily actually went to a meeting with me to, to watch me share my story. Um, and the other one, Brittany, two Britneys, Brittany, too, went to a meeting as well. And, you know, I just, they they just aren't where I am. That's fine. I, I don't know if they are going to come back to fellowship. So those are people I knew personally. Um, I have met countless people who I don't know personally, and I haven't told them necessarily about Overeaters Anonymous, but I have had people ask, how did you lose weight? And what do you mean by he used to be crazy with food. Like, what do you mean? And I just say, I I actually did a spiritual program. Like, it's not just about the physical for somebody like me. I um I have a, a spiritual problem that is the focus of what I do, and I work with other people who are like me as a mentor. And I kind of put it in terms like that. Like, it's a spiritual way of living. It's more than just about the food. Um, and I, I usually, it's not always say that the food I eat isn't diet food. It's food that is nourishing, and I love it. Like, Lauren, what's your absence? My absence is I eat plant foods. <laughs> I'm a plant-based addict. So, but I love the food I eat. <clears throat> I wouldn't I wouldn't eat donuts or Jif peanut butter ever in relation to what I eat, God willing. So, hopefully that was helpful. <laughs> That'll
0: Thank you, thank you, Tara, for your question, and that does take us to the end of our meeting. And thank you again so much, Lauren, for sharing so much and spending this extra time and answering some questions from our fellows in the audience today, and in receiving those other, other pieces of sentiment, um, as you heard, you know, from some of our other fellows. Uh, Lauren has generously offered um, to give out her information at the close of this meeting. And that will be coming up here in a moment. And I'll close this meeting like we do all of our meetings here on Sunday special edition with Reading, page 164. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order.